question. Um, if Jesus were in front of you, which maybe he should be in front of you every day in prayer, but if Jesus were in front of you, let's say in a bodily state, what might you ask him? What would you ask Jesus? Would you ask him about um, a frustration you have? Uh, would you ask him, why in the world did you send uh, this, uh, this pandemic across the globe? Uh, maybe you would ask him, how in the world can you blow all that dust from the Sahara Desert over across the ocean into America? How does that work? What would you ask him? Would you ask him questions about his essence? Maybe you would say, Jesus, can you tell us when will we see you face to face? We always have a lot of questions for Jesus, don't we? A lot of questions in our hearts, a lot of questions in our minds as we go throughout this life. One of the most interesting things you will find, though, in the Gospels is that Jesus asks a lot of questions. He asks questions all the time. Uh, he asks questions of his disciples. He asks questions of the, his, uh, the groups of people that he would teach. He asks questions of the religious leaders. He asks questions of individuals. Jesus also has questions. And if you know and understand Jesus, you will see that he asks these questions to get us to think, to get us to learn, to get us to know him. And so this morning, we are going to begin a new series on the questions of Jesus. That'll be our series this summer, the questions of Jesus. What kind of questions does Jesus ask those people, those individuals, those groups? What kind of questions is he asking? How might it help me? How might it help us? And so today we begin that study as we begin with Matthew chapter 6. If you'll turn with me there, Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin in verse 25. We'll read to the end of the chapter. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, more, uh, not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You so much for Your love and mercy to us. I thank You for the grace that You give us in Christ Jesus, that we can come to You and we can rest and not be weary and not be burdened. 
we can find ways to deal with our stress and our anxiety and worry as you have pointed them out to us. So help us to understand this text today. Bring us to a new life and a new walk with you. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I came across a magazine article this week, and it was called Guilt and Anxiety. Guilt and Anxiety. Now, I want you to listen to this article. I want you to listen carefully to the words, okay? Um, it stated that the breakdown of faith... Is that my... I hope that's not my phone, sorry. Good. Okay. It stated that the breakdown of faith in God and reason, coupled with the accelerated pace and high tension of modern life, have produced intense anxiety in millions of people, so much so, in fact, that it would be correct to call worry one of the most widespread debilitating issues of our time. It noted not merely the awful uh, statistics of murder, suicide, and alcoholism and divorce betrayed anxiety, but almost any innocent everyday act. The limp or overhearty handshake can cause anxiety. The second pack of cigarettes can cause anxiety. The third martini. The forgotten appointment the stammer in mid-sentence, the wasted hour before the TV set, the spanked child, the new car unpaid for. The writer added that the symptoms are intensified for many of us by the dominant American myths that the old can grow young, the indecisive can become leaders of men, the housewives can become glamour girls, and glamour girls can become actresses. And the slow-witted can become intellectuals. Would you agree with that article? Did you notice anything maybe odd about some of the wording? It may strike you to hear these words, but this article was written in 1961 in the March edition of Time magazine. Isn't that amazing? All you have to do is just switch a couple of those daily things and it would fit our culture, wouldn't it? So let me ask you a question. What kind of people were Jesus, was Jesus talking to when he was doing the Sermon on the Mount? What kind of people? What kind of people uh, who would later read this sermon, who maybe would hear the sermon in, in, the, in the act of preaching or in the act of teaching in the year 1212, what kind of people were those people? What about 1510? What about 1961? What about 2020? What kind of people are we today that Jesus comes to us and He looks at us and He asks this question, why do you worry? I want you to think about it just for a minute. Why do you worry? This question is obviously addressed to believers in, in this text. The believers of that day and time. The people of God. And it is addressed to believers who suffer under the human condition of anxiety. A condition Jesus was well aware of. A condition that Jesus desires us to overcome. Because that's what the passage says. 
And so our focus today as we look at this question is going to be Jesus offers us a remedy for anxiety and worry. Will we She does, but you know what I'm saying? We don't listen with a depth that we should. But if we understand that everything begins back with the fall, then it all makes sense, right? Every bit of it makes sense. So we go back to Genesis chapter 3. We go back to the fall. There in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of mankind happened because man rebelled against God, the Creator God. He believed the lies of the serpent. He desired to be God Himself. That's what happened. Eve was there and she was tempted, but it's pretty clear that Adam was with her. Adam's responsible. That's what happened. So that's why I put it that way. Sin and shame then and fear and then guilt all entered into the world through the sin of Adam. All of these things. Again, shame, sin, fear, guilt. All of these things entered into the world at that moment. As soon as that bite was taken, those things entered the world. So then judgment came in the form of relational strife. If you remember when the Lord uh, talked to them in the garden, He talked about it. There's going to be relational strife. There's going to be um, the domain of mankind, the earth being cursed, and also death. Death is always on the horizon for everyone. I've said this before too. I don't know anybody that's 150 years old. I don't. Because there's no one to hear this that old. We all are facing the horizon of death. So why would we worry? <laughs> why would we worry? Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? The world's a mess. It's cursed. There's death. It's just a tick away. So Jesus in the text mentions here just the basic, simple necessities of life that we would worry about. Food. And clothing. How many of us in this room really worry about food and clothing? Now, maybe over the last several you know, months, we've walked into the grocery store and we've thought, man, there's no toilet paper. I'm starting to worry. Maybe we did. But, you know, to be honest with you, I, I just wasn't worried about it too much. I was worried about many other things, but that was not one of them. Then you get the scare of, you know, the, the meat packing factories and all these things. And you're thinking, oh, is there going to be meat? Oh, no. You know, it, it seems to be going okay. But there's more, isn't there? There's more that we worry about than just clothing. There's more that we worry about than just food. There's all sorts of things. The stuff of earth worries us. It plagues us. And so the article in Time magazine could have been written today, again, with a few of those issues switched out. But it's really the same today for us as it was back during Jesus' time, back during the 60s. And if we break it down, we worry because of the, we're threatened in terms of survival. You know, our existence. We're, we're threatened in terms of autonomy. We want to be in control. We're threatened in terms of, of being loved. I want to be loved. I want to be cared for. I want to feel valued. 
We may worry about our effectiveness in, the, in this world. We want to make a difference. And that might mean power. It might mean position. It might mean uh, something else. So we worry about the effectiveness. Again, those issues of guilt. We look at our lives and we think, man, I should have done that differently. And it can be a sin issue of guilt or it could just be how you did something guilt. There's a lot of shame that we bear. Fear, we, we embrace fear so much. And then we also really wrestle with trust and security. Because we desire that. So what does all this tell us? It, it tells us that when it comes down to it, we worry in part because, now listen to me here, we focus on self rather than God. We focus on self rather than God. Let me, let me ask you a serious question. Do you ever worry for somebody else? Do you find yourself worrying for you know, the, your neighbor down the street like, oh, I just don't know if they can. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Most of the time we don't. It's all about us, isn't it? Um, as, as one considers Psalm 10, 4, it's not that we have low self-images, as the masses of psychologists and articles and books tell us. It's that our thoughts, and our thoughts, there's no room for God. That's the issue. And that's what Jesus is trying to pull us into here. Your thoughts are not of me. You're not looking at me. You're not looking at the Father. You're not considering the Holy Spirit. You're considering yourself. So let's follow Jesus' logic for a moment as we walk through verses 25 through 34 and, and, and we look at his answer for our worry and anxiety. Um, I know for me, studying this passage afresh and anew, I, I caught new things. I, I embraced new aspects of this. And I hope that you will as well. Now people deal, as we look at Jesus' answer to worry in verse 25 through 34, people deal with anxiety and worry in different ways. There was this lady named Catherine, and Catherine had an issue. And so she talked to some friends, and a friend said, Hey, look, there's this great psychiatrist that you need to go see, this counselor. And go see him, and he'll take care of it all. So she showed up at this guy's door. She knocked on the door. He told her to come in. She sat down, and he says, okay, so what's going on? This is how I work. This is how we'll do it. Uh, I'm going to charge you $5 for the first five minutes. And after that, everything's free, because I guarantee you it'll only take us five minutes. And she said, you're kidding me. He says, no, no. When you leave here, you'll have the tools to deal with this. So five bucks. It'll take us five minutes. So okay, tell me about your issues. Go. So she begins to talk about it. She goes, I have this great fear. I fear that someone is going to bury me in a box. I just have this great fear. It's awful. It's terrible. And he looks at her and he says, well, has anybody ever threatened to bury you in a box? And she says, no, no, but don't you understand this has debilitated my life? Awful. I can't go in tunnels. I can't go in elevators. I can't go in houses or anything kind of boxy. And he looks at her and says, well, you must be claustrophobic. And she says, well, I guess I am, but the anxiety just, just, just overwhelms me. He says, okay, okay, okay. I'm going to give you two words. Two words. You take this. You memorize this. You incorporate it into your life. You walk out this door with these two words. Are you ready? Yes. Stop it. Just stop it. 
Now, if you've never seen that old Bob Newhart skit, look it up on YouTube because it's hilarious. He just says, stop it. And she goes, but since I've been a child, no, 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 we don't go there. We don't go there. We don't go that far. We're here. Stop it. Just stop it. And then at the end of the skit, she just keeps on and on and on. He goes, if you don't stop it, I'm going to bury you in a box. Now, as we think about those words that Bob Newhart gives, we may be thinking, boy, Jesus' words sound the same here, don't they? He just says, do not worry. But in fact, he says much more than that. He says much, much more than that. So we'll see that there's a deeper level here. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through four commandments given by Jesus and then look at five reasons as to why we should not give ourselves to worry. The first commandment in verse 25, if you want to follow along in the text, in verse 25 is, do not worry about your life, your food, your clothing, and your drink. And if you follow along there, reason number one that he gives us as to why we should not worry is that life is more than food and clothing. Now, is that not true? Now, I want to be honest with you. (laughs) We have to transport ourselves back in Jesus' day here because those, for those people at that time, food and clothing was a big deal. I mean, how many of us have like walk-in size closets filled with clothes and shoes? How many of us have pantries that are huge and stocked up? I mean, think about it just for a moment. These folks did not have those things. They couldn't store food like that. So for them, it really was a big deal. But Jesus is still making the point here that life is more than food and clothes. And I want you to think about that. Life is more than all the stuff, all the wealth, all the things that we accumulate day after day after day. The second reason that he gives us is this in verse 26. God cares for the birds. I want you to think about that one just for a moment. God cares for the birds. You see them flying around. It's a beautiful illustration because you could see them all the time. Uh, The other day I was walking and I can't remember who I was talking to. Um, I was talking to somebody on the phone because sometimes I walk and talk. And I said, uh, there's this huge turkey vulture in the middle of the road. A car comes. He's eating this carcass, obviously. And he comes over on my side of the sidewalk, and, I, and, I, and I'm on the phone. I'm like, hold on, I might just be getting ready to be attacked by a turkey vulture. Hold on, just for a moment. But that bird was eating, wasn't he? And you see sparrows and doves and all sorts of osprey and all sorts of creatures that fly through the air that are, that are eating. And Jesus asked a simple question, are you more valuable than birds? In the created order, are you more valuable than birds? I know we like to think in a Darwinian type mentality, but let's be clear. Mankind is made in the image of God. Animal kind does not. Are you more valuable than birds? Yes, you are. So the third reason then he gives us is in verses 28 and 30. Um, uh, again, Jesus said, God cares for the lower sort of created order issues. So look at the lilies. Look at the flowers. They're more glorious than Solomon. That's pretty cool. Look at the grass. 
Even though the flowers and the grass are short-lived, and the grass turns brown and becomes fire starter, we are more valuable even those who have little faith should know that. We are more valuable. So, so what he's saying is, is regardless of our lack of faith, everybody should know that God cares for you. You should. And so far what we've seen is this. We have seen that, um, that, 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 that what should really capture our minds here is that we are indeed valuable. That God cares for all these lower creatures and, and even plant life form, but yet at the same time, He does and will care for our needs. So the second command that we come upon in the passage is verse 31. Do not worry about what you will eat, drink, or wear. Reason number four. He gives here the Gentiles. Notice those who are not God's people. He is speaking again to those who were called to be God's people. The Jewish people at that time. So not the Gentiles. The Jewish people are gathered there. And he is talking to them. And he is saying the Gentiles chase these things since they're all godless. They just go after it all the time. They don't think anything about God. Remember Psalm 10.4. God is not anywhere in their hearts. They're just running. They're just chasing. They're just grabbing. They just have to have. But the Father knows your needs. He knows what you need. And the reality is we don't have to chase after it. We don't have to do that. doesn't mean we don't work hard. And I'll come back to that in a minute. But it does mean that we don't have to chase after it. Psalm 8.4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. God is mindful of us. He cares for us. As Psalm 55.10 says, Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. He is our rock and our shield and our fortress. Nahum 1.7 The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. Simply put, the Father knows your needs. So in the first command, we're looking at how valuable we are. The second command here, we're looking at how He knows our needs. Third command, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Again, all the things that the Gentiles, because that's what he's looking back at. He's looking back at the Gentile verse again. All the things that the Gentiles chase will be given to you. Just be given to you. We are children of God, are we not? We are valuable to Him. He will meet our needs, will He not? So what does that lead to in the final commandment? Look at it. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. In other words, don't worry. So according to what Jesus says here throughout this passage, why are we so foolish to worry about our physical and material needs? Specifically. But what about other issues as well? 
In what area of your life are you constantly anxious over? What, what is it that really gets to you and makes you anxious? How does worry reveal your lack of faith? Your lack of security? Your lack of trust in the God who created us? Jesus tells us here, don't worry. Why? Because we're more valuable. We're more valuable than birds. We're more valuable than flowers. We're more valuable than grass. We are God's redeemed children. We can trust Him. He knows our needs. Now this doesn't mean that we just sit around and wait. Even birds don't just sit there and go, okay, you know, unless they're baby birds waiting on mama to come feed them. Birds don't do that. They go and do their thing. They peck in the dirt. They eat carcasses on the side of the road. So it doesn't mean that we just sit around and wait. It doesn't mean that we don't work. It doesn't mean that we run out into a busy street, closing our eyes, trusting somehow that God will keep us safe from a car running over us. Every parent in here has taught your child, look both ways before you cross the street. When I drive with my kids and I teach them to drive, and when we're in neighborhoods, I tell them, drive under the speed limit and watch out because some little child might run out in front of you from some car. And believe me, I have a friend who ran over a child like that and killed them. And it was awful. It's been awful for her. We don't tempt God as Jesus says. Remember Jesus? When Satan was saying, throw yourself off the, off the temple, the angels will catch you, won't they? Because you're God's son. Sure they would. <laughs> Jesus said, we're not going to tempt the Father. But what it does mean here, if it doesn't mean those things, what it does mean here is that God not only has the ability to take care of us, but also the love and the desire. And when we do not trust God, we're worried. We're giving over to anxiety. Perhaps, and I think this is kind of what this passage is teaching here, perhaps you heard about the man who worried so much that he decided to hire somebody. He decided to hire somebody to worry for him. He says, I'll pay you $200,000 if you'll worry for me. If there's anybody out there here or online, if you want to pay me $200,000 to worry for you, sign me up. I'm there. I'll do it. So as soon as he hired the guy, the guy looked at him and says, where are you going to get $200,000? The guy said, I don't know. That's for you to worry about. <laughs> In a lot of ways, that's what God is saying here, isn't it? Think about it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got you. I've got your job. Um, I've got your, your house. I've got your 401k. I've got your school this fall. I've got your marriage. I've got your children. I've got that grumpy old boss in the palm of my hands. I've got this COVID disease too. I got you. I got you. I was watching a movie the other night and this father's son were at, they just, the mother had died and the father's son had this real, 
you know, awful relationship and everything. And, you know, the world's blowing up and all this stuff. That's the kind of stuff I like to watch. And, and so the, the father runs out, you know, it's like the end of the movie and everything's doing what it's doing. I won't give it, you know, tell you the movie or give it away or anything like that. But then the son runs up to the father and the father grabs him. And that's exactly what he says. I got you. I got you. We're valuable. We're loved. How do we know this? And that's what Jesus is saying. How do you know this? You're the people of God. How do you know this? How many times have you been hard-headed and stubborn? How do you know this? Might it be the, the plagues on Egypt? The pulling you out of Egypt? The giving you of a good king instead of a rotten king? Might it be the prophets coming and tell you again and again and again to turn to me? Might it be that the Father's plan all along was to give the Son? The Son to die for us. So the only question that we have left is this. What's our response to Jesus? What's the response? Let's look at the response. I've got three for you. Okay? We have to respond first to the gospel. Again, I said this in the opening, and I've said it a couple times since then. This sermon that Jesus preached here was to the people of God. It's to believers. It is for those who trust in God for their salvation first. That's the key. You can't trust in a God. You can't trust in a God that you don't, that you don't believe in. Then everything else will be added to you. Look at verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these things will be added to you. You can't have a kingdom without first having a king. And giving allegiance to the king. And so how do we give allegiance to King Jesus? We saw this last week in John chapter 1 verse 12. But to all who did, listen to this, receive Him. To all who did believe in His name. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so it's very simple. You receive Him. You take Him. You believe in His name. So that's the first response to Jesus that we need to give is to say, you are my God and now I will follow you. The next thing is this. It's very simple as well. You need to grow in the grace of knowledge. From the moment of salvation, we are called to come follow me. And that's one of the things that I think sometimes is, is missing in our current evangelical thinking. Is that we, we, we look at it from a salvation perspective only. But it's not just salvation. Remember what Jesus said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he told his disciples. When we follow him, he is calling us to know him, to understand his teaching, to obey what he has commanded us. You may remember the eager learner, Daniel LaRusso. He had a karate teacher named Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi took him out there the first time he went to his house to be trained for karate. And he says, wash car. Wash on, wash off. Wash on, wash off. And then he gave him a wax. He says, wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And then switch hands. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. And then Daniel, after a few days of this, is angry. He's like, what are you doing? I'm just a slave to you. What is all this? And he says, ah! Oh! And then Daniel does that. He says, ah! Oh! And then Daniel does this. Wax on, wax off. He's training him in all these movements and all these things. He's creating muscle memory. 
I tell Silas when he plays baseball, I'm like, you got to get the muscle memory down. Then you don't have to think about it when you get up to the plate. You just do what you do. That's what it's about. It's the same way with golf. Wax on, wax off. Well, if you get to know Jesus in that way, and maybe it's good to just think of it that way. I'm going to wax on in the Bible, and I'm going to wax off in the Bible. And I'm going to get to know Him. I'm going to get to know Him in the Old Testament. I'm going to get to know Him uh, in the Gospels. I'm going to get to know Him in the Apostles. I'm going to get to know that teaching that's there. I'm going to know Him. So that when the temptations come, you can really look at Him. As you have soaked Him in, as you have understood Him, you can really trust in Jesus when you're tempted to worry. As a matter of fact, you can add almost any sin to this this scheme that Jesus has given us here. So the third thing, our final response is this. Turn to Jesus and trust Him. Turn to Jesus and trust Him. I cannot emphasize this enough. Uh, listen to Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is the good, what is good and acceptable and perfect, knowing the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. What about 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and 6? We destroy arguments and every lofty um, opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your your obedience is complete. And so what Paul is saying there to us and what Jesus is saying here to us is we have to have the right mindset. And I can't emphasize that enough. If you are trusting in Christ, if you are growing in Christ, then as, as the temptation comes to worry you take that worry to Jesus immediately. You take that worry to Jesus immediately. I cannot emphasize that enough. I was talking to a brother recently and we were talking about issues and things and one of the things that I have learned is, as I grow in my faith is, is that whether it's a temptation to, um, to worry or whatever other sin temptation I can have, you know, that I may have there, as soon as those thoughts begin to come into to my mind, my object, my object should be to focus on Christ, to look to Christ, to say, you're my God, you've got me. I am in your grace, your love, your mercy, you've got me. As soon as those thoughts come, Or as soon after as you recognize them. I don't know about you, but I can go on for a week. I can go on for several days. You know, a month sometimes I'll catch myself. I've been thinking about this stuff in a month. Here's the thing. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they desire to kill, steal, and destroy. And so if you don't have, like, thoughts in your mind going, hey, you need to worry about then you might be unhuman or something. As soon as those thoughts come, you should say, Jesus has got this. I can trust in Him. 
I've seen him work throughout the scriptures. I've seen him, him send his son. I've seen his son and what he did for me. I'm not worried about all that. I'm just not going to worry about it. God's got this. A friend of mine and I were talking the other day, and, and I think this is a perfect illustration. And he was like, so how are things going? He's like, well, car broke down. Something in the house broke down. We've got this issue going on. Uh, I've I'm, I'm, uh, got this relational problem. I'm not sure about how things are going at work. You know how it is. One of those terrible, rotten, horrible, no good, nasty days. You know, one of those. And it seems like they all come like at one time, right? It's like it all comes and piles on like a dog pile, you know? And he said, you know what's funny about that? And I was, as I was listening to him, he says, you know what's funny about that? Is that I know I've felt that way before because I'm a little anxious about it. And I know I've felt that way before. But I don't remember why. You know, when the tension comes, and we really want to, to worry, and that, you know, for me, it's the stress comes up my neck. <laughs> I can feel it. God's got this. Look back at, that's another tool you could do, is look back at the times you've worried before. Either there's nothing you can do about it, it's out of your control, or it's all good. That's the way it is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. By the grace and mercy of our great and powerful God and Savior Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your love and mercy to us. We need it. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things to worry about in these days. A lot of things. Oh, Lord. Who knows what's really coming tomorrow? You know, and it's all in your hands. And so it really is something that you have. You've got it. Help us to trust you in all of these things. In every one of them. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.